You're listening to an Eon podcast. This is episode eight of the Seven Steps to Freedom from Anxiety, Depression, and ADHD podcast series. Throughout this series recording, we speak to Jodie Gozard, formerly Jodie Chapman, a respected Australian naturopath, speaker, author, and mentor. Jodie's been sharing her knowledge and wisdom of the seven steps to finding freedom from anxiety, depression, and ADHD. This recording is a continuation of the conversation we started with Jodie's patient, Mitch, in episode seven. We've already heard about some of what Mitch went through. This episode continues that story and starts to look at how Jodie's treatment and working through her seven steps has helped him. Welcome Jodie and welcome Mitch. In our last episode, we discovered that Mitch has a multitude of causes attributing to his condition and we heard about his story. Today we're moving forward and learning about the next stage of his journey. Jodie, tell us the day you first met Mitch, what happened? Well, actually, um, the, the second I saw Mitch, I knew the energy of the human that he was just this vibrant, energetic, driven, focused and, you know, incredible human that had just been run over by a truck. And, you know, listening to his story, meeting him that day, um, he shared the, this story with me. And, you know, it was, it, it was close to my heart because I had experienced many of the things that he'd experienced in his life as well in terms of my health and ups and downs that I'd experienced and my task, I guess, to overcome those challenges. And um, immediately I felt as though there were things that we could be doing to make a big impact for Mitch, yet he was starting in such a low place. But the, the interesting part about Mitch's story was that he had done already so much work. There wasn't much that I could talk to him about lifestyle factors, psychology, you know, all sorts of other things that you can do to improve your mental health space. He'd already done. So it was like talking to somebody who was already an expert in this field and the missing pieces was all the biochemistry. So that's where I wanted to focus. And I guess probably one of the most interesting things in that aspect also was because there was no traumatic event leading to this second trigger into depression that he was experiencing. So there had to be something biochemically changing in his body that he had no control over and we had to find out what that was. And oftentimes, and this, this is something that we talked about in the previous episodes, is that in cases like this where it's this extreme, you often find that it's more than one problem. It's now a multitude of problems. So we have to be open-minded in making sure that we don't just look at it from a reductionistic point of view and go, okay, it's that one thing. Let's work on that one thing for six months and let's hope that he feels better from that. And if he doesn't, then we'll go on to the next thing. Because the fact is that when people are in the place that Mitch was in, and there are so many people in that place, they don't have the time to waste trying just one thing and hoping that it makes a difference quickly because oftentimes it is too many systems of the body that now that are being affected biochemically because it's not just one organ that changes, it affects every single other part of the body and it had to be some sort of biochemical 
effect to all of his life's journey to that point. And one thing that I really recognised in Mitch's story was how driven and determined he was in terms of his sport and what he'd done to achieve everything in his life. Thinking about burnout and and the impact of what that can do to someone's body, there was a big chance that his adrenals were a big part of what he was experiencing. But in terms of, you know, why did this happen in the first place? Why are there ups and downs like there are in his life? Because he can swing from being very high one day to being very low the next day and trying to put your finger on that can be a very tricky thing. So hearing Mitch's story on that first day and all the backstory, which you've just heard, then thinking about the symptoms he was actually experiencing, which gives us some sort of insight into what systems are actually involved. Mitch, would you like to share with everybody what you actually um, talked about that day in terms of all of the strange and interesting symptoms that were plaguing you or was really driving you insane that, you know, didn't make sense? Yeah, it was like all of the symptoms, I couldn't link anything together and it was it was just getting weirder and weirder and weirder and I actually, I forgot about this, but I remember going to a doctor just before I saw you and I was at my wit's end, I didn't know how to fix any of this stuff anymore and I went and got a blood test and uh, spoke to the doctor about everything that was going on and um, she basically just told me that, oh, you're just depressed and I'm like, well, what do I, how do I fix this? And she goes, oh, have you tried exercising? I was like, you've got to be kidding me, right? Like, exercise is going to be the answer to this? No. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I exercise plenty. Yeah. Um, so basically I was struggling. The first thing I noticed was my energy. My energy had just disappeared and I was someone that was quite active and it had gotten to a point where I could barely get out of bed. I had debilitating brain fog. Like, I couldn't think. I couldn't concentrate. I loved reading books, but I couldn't even read anymore. My memory was getting quite bad. Uh, I started losing quite a lot of weight and muscle. Like I was watching muscle just fall off my body uh, to the point I think I lost 10 kilos in the space of about three months at mm. one point. Uh, I was struggling to sleep. Uh, the left side of my body was losing a bit of function and that was starting to scare me. It was a lot of, I don't know, linking back to my brain. I'm like, is there something going on in my brain? Like yeah. it, was, it was starting to get really weird. Uh, I felt like I had no control over my emotions. Like I, I would just start bawling my eyes out for no reason, like no trigger, no nothing. I'd just start bawling my eyes out and I couldn't really control it. And I'm like, man, like what's going on? Like I never cry and now I cry every day. Like what's, what's going on? Uh, anxiety and depression were through the roof. But like you spoke about, there was no trigger. Like nothing was going on in my life to cause anything. It was just, I just couldn't move, couldn't get out of bed. Um, and yeah, that, that were the main things I think. Was there anything I missed there that you can think of? No, I think probably the most significant was the extreme fatigue that you're experiencing, your memory, all of these things that I would normally attribute to adrenal fatigue. Um, I remember that one conversation we had at the end of our consult and just thinking, this has just got to be adrenal fatigue. He's burned himself out. We talked about hormones. We talked about your DHEA levels possibly being plummeted because DHEA deficiency causes memory issues as well as fatigue, as well as sleeplessness, all of these different types of things. So my thought process was, right, let's get a saliva hormone test. Let's check your adrenals and check your reproductive hormones as well because we weren't sure whether testosterone was impacted. You had had some tests done from the GP on hormones as well. And this is something I want to put there as well. Everything that I'd done at the GP, they were basically telling me I was fine. Yeah. I kept, and I think this is a big part for lots of people's journeys is they, 
they put so much trust in their GPs and they get all these tests done and they know deep down that something is going on inside them. And then to feel the way that I felt and be told that I was fine and healthy, like that's, it's debilitating, it breaks yeah. you. You're like, well, no, I'm not. Like I know what I used to feel like and I definitely don't feel like that anymore. This isn't how my life's supposed to be. And it does make you feel like you're at a bit of a dead end and like you have no more options. And, you know, there is so much more out there, which is obviously everything that we have looked at since. But as I said, on that day, there was questions for me about, you know, how was your testosterone and your estrogen balance? Because if you have low testosterone, this can cause a lot of these symptoms. But sometimes people have normal testosterone, but very high estrogen, and that causes all of these symptoms too. So Okay, to me, it sounded like a hormonal problem and you'd just gotten to this point where your body was just exhausted through so much trauma, through so much stress, through so much pushing yourself, through going through something so traumatic as that hospital experience that you had, and then going pretty much straight back into running business again. You know, so there was never any time to really rest. Well, it was also, I also physically and emotionally pushed myself. Like mm-hmm. everyone always just thinks about the physical side of it. And I definitely, definitely only focused on the physical side, but emotionally telling my story and going back through it when I did, you realize how stressful that must be on your body. And you mm. kind of start to feel how much we store that stuff in our body. Oh, absolutely. And you know, that, that there is where the PTSD issues come into it and constantly drags people back in. As I said, in, in your case, I was sure that adrenal fatigue was a major player. I don't know if you remember, I'm sure you do, but at the time you were also talking to another GP about getting brain scans and yep. things done because yep. you had the symptom of your left side of your body not not feeling as strong, felt very different to the right side of your body. Yep. So you were investigating medically that way, which was great, which is something that, you know, we have to address all structural things as well as biochemical things. And you had some scans done. Do you remember what yeah, happened there? so I kind of get very obsessed when I have a problem. I start like, just i got to figure it out. i got to fix this and solve it. So it started feeling like, yeah, there was a lot of brain stuff. Like my memory was the big one. I'll just tell a little bit of a story to go along with the memory stuff. It started as like really thick brain fog to the point I couldn't think anymore. Mm. And I remember I'd have an appointment with you or something and we'd have a big conversation in the appointment. And then later that afternoon, I would completely forget that we even met that day. And I'd only remember because I'd look back through my phone and saw that I had booked in a meeting. I was like, I remember nothing that she said. Mm. Um, There was another incident. I think I'd get like I'd send text messages that I couldn't remember sending. I don't know. I'd look through my phone and be like, oh, I don't even remember sending that to the point um, I was trying to trying to fix my mental health um, at one point. And I was like, oh, I'll get all my friends from school back together and we'll, I don't know, start socializing a bit more. Maybe that will pick me up a bit. So I sent out this big Facebook group message to all my friends from school. And basically I was, I just left it and kind of went to bed that night. And they'd been talking back and forth in this post and blah, blah, blah. And I wake up the next morning and there's like 20 or 30 different messages on my phone. I'm like, oh, cool, all the boys are talking. And I scroll back through my phone and get to the top to see what it's all about and realize I was the one that sent the message and I had no recollection of sending this message or putting it together and I basically orchestrated this whole meeting of all my friends and I had no idea that I'd done it. Yeah. So it was, it was getting quite confusing. So I was really starting to delve down the path. I'm like, man, do I have something going on in my brain? Like yeah. it's, it's scary when you're 20, I was 27, mm-hmm. um, 27, 28. Like, and I can't remember things. I feel like I've got dementia. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like some days I feel like I've had a stroke almost, like my muscles won't work. Um, so I was pushing the doctor to um, 
give me a CAT scan quite heavily. And we ended up getting that um, and finding, they found a, a pituitary adenoma or tumor. I don't really like to use the word tumor, but um, yeah, pituitary adenoma on my, on my pituitary gland. Mm. And that they kind of thought that it didn't, it wasn't affecting me too much. But if you look at what a pituitary gland does and how much it affects all your hormones, I'm yeah. like, surely this has to, this has to be a piece of the puzzle, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I thought. And um, we, I'd so- seen some bloods that they had done for you also. And there was one marker that was quite interesting, which is prolactin, which is very um, often raised high when someone has a pituitary microadenoma or macroadenoma, in in your case, microadenoma. So it was slightly high, which impacts other hormones. And on first meeting Mitch, I was absolutely sure he had adrenal fatigue. And when I got back his saliva hormone test, his adrenal hormones were optimal. It was incredible that he had all of the symptoms of adrenal fatigue but none of the actual hormonal imbalances associated with it. The only thing that made it make sense was the fact that his pituitary gland had this microadenoma and was affecting his other hormones. Now, one thing that did come back on that test that was really quite interesting is that his estrogen was very high. So high estrogen creates a ratio problem with testosterone that causes depression, anxiety, uh, sleep disturbances, apathy, lethargy, complete fatigue, inability to function, foggy brain, headaches, all of these things that Mitch was experiencing all could have been affected by this high estrogen. And, you know, to find high estrogen in a male actually is quite common these days. But again, it comes down to what's going on with the liver because the liver's role is to detoxify estrogen out as it's done its job and it's not normal for the levels to be high. Whether it was associated with a pituitary tumour or whether it was associated with the the liver not methylating properly, we then had to go and look further. And on that note, we should mention the tumour is uh, 100% benign, so it's no problem for Mitch as long as we can get all of these other factors into place and a lot of people live with these um, microadenomas and don't even realise that they're there. And I think that's one path that the medical have taken at the moment. They're not really looking much deeply into it, are they? No, no. So they were just kind of they kind of just said that it was it's something quite common that a lot of people, like you said, do have and don't even realise. If it gets too big, then it can start to affect things. Mm. They kind of told me that mine was at a decent size and it, the position it was sitting was affecting some things, but basically, like you said, it was benign. It wasn't wasn't doing a whole lot. Um, so they kind of looked it off. Yeah. So, you know, taking that into consideration, we then have to look at, okay, what can we do then? And let's have a look at what else is going on. So we, as I said, we did this saliva hormone test, found that his cortisol levels were normal. His DHEA level was high. Now I was expecting it to be low, but it was high. And that's where I thought, okay, maybe this is something to do with the tumour, increasing it rather than decreasing it. But we did have the problem with the oestrogen. So we started detoxifying the oestrogen with some nutrients that methylate oestrogen out of your system. And that was part of Mitch's treatment plan when we first started. One of the other things that we then had to consider was why is his oestrogen high? Why is he not methylating? And what else could he not be methylating that can impact his mental health? So I think something worth mentioning there as well is, particularly for guys, 
is I didn't even think about my estrogen being too high. I straight away went to my testosterone being way too low. Yeah, that's and right. And that's the first thing guys look at, I think, is, uh, is my testosterone too low, specifically if you're aging as well. That's right. And my testosterone was fine, wasn't it? Like yeah. There wasn't too many issues. It was My estrogen was through the roof. Yeah, that's right. And that's what made it not make sense because your testosterone was checked through bloods through the GP as well. Yep. And it looked normal. And I think that was what they were looking at. And obviously, if they're not checking estrogen in you, they're not seeing that the estrogen is going to impact that testosterone and make you behave as if your testosterone is low. Yep. So, yeah, so the goal in that sense was to clear out the estrogen and stop challenging that testosterone. We did treat him from a, for adrenal fatigue anyway because he had all of the telltale signs. So adrenal fatigue will make you, and this is low DHEA or low cortisol or low both, will make you cry all day. It will make you feel like you can't move. It will lose, make you lose your memory. It will make you not be able to function in any way. So DHEA pours energy and hormones into your muscles to make your muscles function. And here he was losing muscle strength and losing, you know, that left side function as well. So you were losing 10 kilos in muscle weight as well as losing strength in everything. So you weren't able to do the things that you previously could do. And one of the other things that I needed to take into consideration was that DHEA makes your gut absorb its food nutrients properly. And when you become adrenally fatigued, if your DHEA and your cortisol is out of balance, it doesn't matter how well you eat, you stop absorbing your nutrients. So you become malnutrition no matter how well you're still eating. Everything stops being absorbed. So you become very low in vitamins. So we started on the plan of boosting up your dopamine pathway, which makes adrenaline. So we gave you the tyrosine type products that with all the cofactors that help you make the dopamine pathway, which you still recognize that you get a boost from when you have those really low days. So that's really important immediately to get some energy and strength back into him. But we then had to also work on his liver in terms of clearing the estrogen. But then we had to find out why was the liver the, you know, struggling with the estrogen in the first place. What else is going on? Could he have been exposed to some sort of environmental pollutant at some time in his life that's blocked his liver? Could his genes be stopping him from detoxifying properly? So we started down the pathway of looking at the gene mutations. And one of the most interesting factors in Mitch's case is that he can go from functioning perfectly for days, weeks, months, and then overnight, instantly go to completely depressed, unable to get out of bed, unable to think, unable to remember anything and just wake up one day completely incapacitated. I think that's the hardest bit about it at the moment as well is it, literally every morning when I wake up, I don't know how I'm going to feel. Yeah. I don't know how much energy I'm going to have and that's, it's hard to plan your life when, when you wake up like that. That's I, right. I can I get out of bed today? Am I going to be really happy? Am I going to be really down? Mm. On those down days, it feels like you can't talk or you can't like, socialize very well, um, and it really does start to affect your whole life. And this was something that would normally be a very puzzling piece in someone's case, but it actually gave me a clue. And the clue with that is histamine. Now, histamine's a brain chemical, and a lot of people only relate it to allergy. Antihistamines are given for allergy. When someone's histamine is very, very high, they can suffer with anxiety or depression, and lots of allergies, lots of sleep problems, insomnia. This is something that Mitch was experiencing as well. It's a lot of insomnia where he'd sleep for two hours 
from what, 9pm and then you'd wake up at 11 and you'd be wide awake for the rest of the night? Yeah, I'd fall asleep at normal time, so like 9 o'clock every night and then I'd sleep till 11, like you said, and then I'd be wide awake for, for the rest hours. of the night. And then I'd have to get up for work at 5.30. Yeah. And that went on for two months. So I was getting no more than an hour or two a night of sleep for two months. Yeah. And that will mess with your brain too. Yeah, absolutely. And that was probably the thing that I watched you experience with the most angst was this sleeplessness. Just even talking to you on those days where you're just driven crazy by this inability to fall asleep while you're exhausted, which is just insane, isn't it? Well, because you can't function well, you either. Can't, you can't, fun- you yeah, can't exactly. function normally if you haven't slept, yeah. no. let alone if you've got other stuff going on. And the on. thing is you're awake but you have no energy to do anything. That's so right. people would think, oh, man, you'd be able to get so much done if you're never sleeping. Yeah. I couldn't move. No. I felt like I was paralysed and I was just sitting there staring at the roof for hours every night. And the brain fog that and comes the, with that. And then to have to get up and go to work the next morning. I was getting up and going to work still. And uh, this was right as COVID hit too, so I was working from home. And so basically my room is here and my office is here and there was just no separation. I wasn't sleeping. I'm like, man, I'm going crazy. Yeah, it was a really tough time. But the thing that was that clue for me was histamine because histamine, it being a brain chemical, and it's like a master brain chemical, it has an impact on serotonin and dopamine and norepinephrine, which is adrenaline. How is it that his serotonin and dopamine and energy levels, so norepinephrine is your adrenaline, is fluctuating so rapidly overnight. How is that happening? And we've talked about the gene mutations. If you have that MTHFR gene mutation, what happens is your histamine can swing high and low rapidly under stress. Now, if you can imagine anything that Mitch has experienced previously is quite stressful. If he has run low in nutrients over the years and not replenished them for whatever reason, Here he is at the bottom of the barrel of nutritional status and all of a sudden, maybe he picks up a gut infection. Maybe he gets a cold. Maybe he picks up a virus. I know I think you previously had glandular fever. Yeah, back when I was about 13 or 14. Yeah. So that's another thing that every now and then when I'm talking to you, I think, this sounds so viral. And People can have that um, recurrence of all the symptoms of glandular fever when they're not well. So this is something that probably reoccurs for Mitch's biochemistry is this recurring fall into a viral effect where he can't move and he can't think and he can't get up. But in terms of histamine, if you go through great stresses and you folate, uh, so the MTHFR gene means you don't absorb folate very well and your folate gets to rock bottom, all of a sudden your histamine will either rapidly rise or it'll rapidly fall the other way. Now, the difference is that rapidly rising histamine can cause moderate low serotonin, low dopamine, and it really affects your mood and your ability to function, but it doesn't cause that really dark depression. When you go the other way where your histamine actually falls, it causes a high in serotonin and in dopamine. It, it goes the other way. It's like a seesaw. Right. And that can contribute to symptoms similar to bipolar. And bipolar disorder, whether you have bipolar or not, if you're having symptoms that mimic it, can come on very rapidly and swings in depression just very, very rapidly. And this is where we're looking at what is going on that's causing this rapid shift. So the next thing that we did, obviously all of the um, experiences that he'd had was driving him to depletion of nutrients, depletion of his adrenals. So we had to deal with his adrenals anyway. 
we had to deal with his estrogen dominance anyway, but now we wanted to look at his genes. So we did an advanced methylation panel, which is a type of test that tests five different genes in his ability to detoxify. Mm -hmm. Keeping in mind that detoxification, if it's compromised in any way, can either cause very high estrogen, causing hormonal problems in men and women, Mm -hmm. very high copper, causing depression and anxiety and panic disorders in men and women, or very high histamine or very low histamine being the mother brain neurotransmitters affecting serotonin and dopamine, depression and anxiety and paranoia and extreme swings in moods. So this is where I thought, okay, we really need to investigate this. So we did a gene panel for him and we found out of a number of genes that were tested in this gene panel, we had three of the cycle that were broken. So three that were mutated genes telling us that he wasn't absorbing nutrients genetically, naturally. So folate, for instance, was one of them. B12 was another one. SAMI is another neurotransmitter enzyme that helps you sleep. And you had a gene mutation that didn't allow you to make your SAMI properly. So anytime Mitch was stressed and he used up his B12 and his folate, which was required for every brain chemical and his digestion, so his ability to digest food and absorb nutrients, this depleted every single time he got stressed or any time his immune system was compromised with anything. So we had to then consider, well, let's have a look at how this is how these genes are playing out in him. And we did another test which showed all of the enzymes that um, impact someone when they have these gene mutations. And this particular test shows whether your histamine is very, very high or low and whether his copper level was very, very high or low. And we found that his copper was very, very high because he couldn't detoxify properly. Now, we get copper from our pipes, our water, you know, our copper pipes leading to our homes. You'd get copper in any restaurant that you'd go to because they're using tap water for their cooking and it's unavoidable. So we have to be able to methylate our copper out properly. So here we had a high copper problem and a high estrogen problem, both methylation detoxification problems and low SAMI. So, of course, SAMI is an enzyme that helps you convert serotonin over to melatonin for sleep. And here he was not sleeping at all. So we started to give him the nutrients that made this cycle work. But this is the key to Mitch's health is that because he's got these genes, anything that causes him stress any time in his life can shift it again. It's a never-ending cycle. Mm -hmm. And this is the part that's probably the hardest to get around, especially when you're first faced with all of these symptoms is the fact that you've got an issue going on in your system that needs long-term management mm. because it's an you know it's frustrating it can swing on a dime and it had me then thinking what could it have been since he had no traumatic experiences in that August September October leading up to when you first met me what was it that could have changed your biochemistry so much to cause that depression to start coming on and My first thought was all of the trauma and stress that you'd experienced, that you were just exhausted. But as time went on and I saw those tests were actually okay, it made me think maybe you picked up some sort of infection or virus. I think that's something that needs to be added in there as well is that you said I'm very uh, receptive to stress. So if something stresses me out, then I'm straight back to where I was. Without dealing with the psychological side of stuff, um, like I had, so I had dealt with all of you know 
the childhood stuff and things like that. And I've done a lot of work on that already. If I hadn't, then I feel like it would have been 10 times worse. So they really do tie in together doing the psychological work and the physical health stuff as well with, um, with nutrition. And because even to the point I, I was saying it to you, I'm like, I don't feel upset about anything. There's yeah. nothing, my life is fine. Like yeah. there's nothing to be upset about, yet I can't stop crying and I can't get out of bed. Yeah. And I feel so unmotivated to do anything about it. Yeah, and, and the conversations that we had about emotions were hours and hours and hours long and realising that there was so much you knew about, you know, behavioural cognitive therapy and you'd already been through the processes to develop a tool belt, I guess, of resources that you could call on to be able to deal with emotional issues. I'd never met someone who was so advanced in all of that aspect of emotional um, management prior to Mitch coming in who was still suffering with all of these problems. And that's why it was so frustrating for me too. I thought I had put in all this work and I had done a lot of that stuff and put my heart and soul into that and I was still, I wasn't feeling any better. I felt like I was getting nowhere. Which was a telltale sign that it was biochemistry at this point, you know. So we had to just keep turning over stones and finding out what was going on. So the next thing that um, I wanted to look at was whether Mitch was experiencing any kind of bacterial infection. And we talked about bacteria in the past. So certain strains of bacteria in the Coccus family can produce a neurotoxin called D-lactic acid that some humans can break it down. So some people can, you know, travel all over the world, go to third world countries, go surfing in Bali and Fiji and all of these places and pick up these infections that we call Bali belly and, you know, all of these types of things that give us diarrhea. But for some people, it doesn't do that. It causes severe mental health symptoms. So severe depression, anxiety, nervous system shaking, foggy brain, so thick, insomnia, Um, pins and needles, numbness and burning sensation in your extremities or gut symptoms. So we talked about that in the past. One of the, I guess, unfortunate things is that when someone has these gene mutations, histamine, when it's functioning properly, its role is to make our stomach acid. And when someone has these gene mutations and has low histamine, they can't make stomach acid anymore as well as they should. And so any bacteria that they're exposed to will survive the stomach acid and then colonise the gut. Mm. So one of the next things we looked at was stool testing. And we did a bacterial test and I don't think I met anybody with a level as high as yours of enterococcus. It wasn't the competition I was trying to win. No. (laughs) (laughs) And so for the people listening, enterococcus, tell us about that. Yeah, so it's one of the coccus family bacteria. It produces D-lactic acid when it consumes glucose or carbohydrates. So one of our previous podcasts, we talked about the bacteria and enterococcus, D-lactic acid is a nerve toxin and it will use up a lot of oxygen in its production of the D-lactic acid, dropping the oxygen to your brain, causing all of this severe brain fog, but it will also cause excitatory sensations in any nerve. So emotionally, you feel so much more amplified. So any depression feels incredibly severe. Any anxiety feels like your heart is pumping out of your chest. You're shaking. I remember I experienced it after a trip to Fiji about 18 months after we'd been to Fiji. My daughter had picked it up when she was seven. We talked about that. And when I first experienced it, it was basically overnight I went into depression. I was perfectly fine. And then one day woke up and for an entire month cried every day couldn't think, 
couldn't function, had extreme anxiety, couldn't stay at home, but couldn't leave either. It was just this could not win situation. And it was only very lucky that I had the equipment available to be able to test myself and found out that I did have the infection and was able to treat it really quickly. So that only lasted a month for me. But for someone like Mitch, it seemed as though there was a possibility that all of his precursors, such as being adrenally fatigued, um, having gene mutations, having um, not enough stomach acid has predisposed him to a higher risk of having these bacteria. So of course we did the test. And I found in him 1.5 billion bacteria of a type that normally causes people depression at 1 million. Wow. So think about that. He had 1.5 billion when most people experience symptoms of brain fog and depression and insomnia at 1 million. So it was so phenomenal, this infection. And it was something that could be completely burning up his nervous system and using up all of the nutrients to try to cope. This is what the body does. And in that, depleting his nutrients even further to be able to make his brain neurotransmitters, causing a lot of the depression, anxiety, but also causing you to have then trouble digesting all of your food. So becoming malnutrition very quickly. And when that happens, you lose your dopamine, you lose your serotonin. And shortly after, as time was going on, you were getting worse and worse and worse. I also lost my appetite as yeah. well. So not only was I not absorbing anything, I wasn't even putting anything in my body by the end of it because I was so fatigued and so wrecked. Yeah. I just couldn't even feed myself. Yeah. So here we had a situation where his adrenals had already been overwhelmed by life. His, he wasn't absorbing nutrients genetically that were important for his liver to clear out things that cause depression. He was producing or not producing enough histamine and very, very low histamine causes very dark depression. And that's where I, I guess one of the turning points was there was one time where you had to get someone to pick you up and take care of you for a little while, a family member, and you were just unable to function and it had gotten that bad. And this is where I've gone, okay, we need to do this test. I need to find out what your histamine level is like because, you know, 80% of people with a histamine level actually have high histamine, not low, and the other 20% have very low histamine. So I didn't know which way he was going because they can both feel the same. So that's when we did that test. And when we saw that your histamine level was incredibly low, we then started to build that up. And some of that might have come from the fact that you'd lost your appetite, you weren't absorbing nutrients anymore, coming from the infection that you'd contracted. I'll just tell that story a little bit too. So I got to the point where I ended up having to get my mum. I had to go live with my mum for about a month because I literally couldn't take care of myself anymore. I couldn't walk out to the kitchen to get food. Mm. I remember I tried to take my dog for a walk one day and I got to the corner, which was about 100 metres away from my house, and almost collapsed and I had to walk back. Uh, I couldn't get out of bed. If I did get out of bed to go to the toilet, I'd have to go and have a nap afterwards. Um, so yeah, it really got to the point where I couldn't even look after myself anymore. I had no energy whatsoever. And I had to, it took about a month of living with my mum before I was able to start at least feeding myself again. Yeah. And thank goodness for that as well. Just seeing you go through that was just horrendous. And, you know, being able to problem solve or knowing that we need to keep looking was the most important thing and not giving up. And the fact that you didn't give up and the fact that you just kept taking the next step forward because, and this is something that is so important in people's perspective on this, not one problem causes such severe depression. It's never just one problem. The human body is genius. And I, I've said this before, if you, if every woman can create a newborn child 
in the same biochemical processes with the same nutrients and the same length of time, then the human body is designed to work in a certain way. But for the body to be that genius, to be able to create that, we're designed in such a way that we can deal with, our systems are made to be able to deal with hurdles, where our liver's designed to be able to clear out toxins, our body's designed to be able to deal with trauma and stress. That's what our adrenal glands are for. But when you find a situation like this where the systems aren't working anymore, it's never just one system involved anymore. It's a domino effect. It starts with one, but it then triggers the rest. And you have to consider all of the other systems now. And if you fix one and not the others, all the symptoms are the same. You know, that bacterial overload causes all the same symptoms as adrenal fatigue, which causes all the same symptoms of what food allergy feels like, causes all the same symptoms of what low histamine or high histamine can feel like. They all feel the same. And estrogen dominance. And it also feels like you're just depressed. Like, and that's why I think people miss it so often is they just think they're depressed. They go to a doctor, get an antidepressant, and they expect that to fix everything. When if you look at what we've just been talking about, it's a laundry list of things that were actually wrong, and that's not going to solve anything, just going to get an antidepressant. There was a whole bunch of stuff that needed to be fixed. Yeah, that's right. So slowly we were working through all of these different things, having a look at food. Also, Mitch, the type of diet that you were on when you first came to the centre, you know, eating what you had thought was clean. Do you remember the conversation we had that day about diet when we went through what you were eating? Yeah, so I thought I was eating quite clean. Like I've always been into my health and fitness and I'd always eaten what I considered healthy. And even to the point where I'd, I think it was like a month before um, we had that conversation, I'd decided to go vegan just to try it out. It was like, okay, I haven't tried this yet. Um, so I cut meat out of my diet and was eating a lot of the processed vegan kind of options and thinking that was going to make me feel better. Mm. And we ended up doing the food allergy test and finding out that I was actually intolerant to pretty much all the vegan options. Yes. And by doing that, I was making myself 10 times worse. Yeah. So that's the thing, you know, many different types of diets can be fantastic for different people depending on what stage of life that they're at. But if you're unwell, there are certain things that you can't do without. And in Mitch's case, how tall are you? Six three, six, six three. two, yeah. six three. So you know he's he's got a lot of muscle development from all the training that he's experienced. He's a tall man. He needs a lot of protein, and protein is what makes our brain chemicals as well. So here he is depleting his protein options with a diet that didn't suit his type, as well as having gene mutations that meant he very likely can't tolerate additives and processed products that can't be methylated properly by the liver. So the first thing that we did was switch the vegan patties over to salmon. We went to something as clean as we could that's easy to break down, so fish and vegetables, easy to break down. And within about a week of doing that, do you remember what you said? I felt that I definitely noticed that I'd changed. I felt a little bit more energised and yeah. not as heavy. Yes, I think was but a lot one. of the brain fog had improved. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of the things that we were talking about was improved by just those changes. I feel like we could talk about this all day and I feel like everybody listening would love to just hear about it for the rest of the day. I know I would. But um, we're going to call it now for this episode and continue this conversation in our next episode. So thank you, Jodie and Mitch, for your time today. If you're enjoying this series, please support us by subscribing to all episodes. If while listening you've had something of a light bulb moment and have the urge to reach out to Jodie, you can contact her via her website, advancedwellness.com.au. 
And finally, if you're experiencing a personal crisis or are having dark thoughts, please reach out to one of the many services available such as Lifeline. Lifeline's phone number is 131114.